Welcome to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com. Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you turn with me in it to Galatians chapter 1? As we continue this series that we've been calling The Gospel for Life, where we are discovering that uh, the gospel impacts every single bit of who we are. Uh, did you know the gospel is for everyday life? The gospel is not some a special thing that we get out for church on Sundays and that we occasionally talk about with our families and when we think about God and the things of God. But the gospel should impact every single part of who you are and every single part of your life. The gospel, in a sense, becomes your story. In fact, that's what our message is titled today, Your story. And last week I shared with you one of the difficulties of being the new pastor is trying to, you know, as, as I meet everybody, like I'm trying to make good first impressions and I'm not all that good first impressionable, right? So uh, like I was sharing with you the difficulty of that, but I will tell you one of the great blessings of being the new pastor is getting to hear your stories. It has been fun to hear uh, like couples, how you met or, or how you even arrived at this church and how the Lord has changed your life. Like it has been awesome to hear. And I know that there are many more of you that I haven't heard your stories yet. And I look forward to getting that opportunity and being able to hear those. Well, you know, in the church, when we talk about your story, we have kind of this churchy Christianese word that we use and we call it our testimony, right? Have you heard that term? Uh, So the testimony of your life is usually the story of how you came to know Jesus. How did you come to know him? How did you hear the gospel and respond to that? What is your testimony? So we hear a lot of talk about testimonies. And if you grew up like me uh, in the church, I'm very thankful that I grew up in a family that raised me in church from the time I was a young lad. I was there, man, uh, all the time in church. And when somebody would come in, especially at seems like at youth events and things like that, they would bring somebody in and they would share like this insane dynamic testimony, right? Uh, like the story of, man, I was, I was in a crazy way, in a crazy part of my life, and uh, God got a hold of me and changed my life, and everything changed. And it's really cool to hear how God has the power to transform your life, amen? But if you're like me, and you were one of those kids who grew up in the church, there were times, and as a pastor now, I will hear this phrase, and I got to tell you, it's one of my least favorite phrases to hear, and I'll tell you why in a moment. People will say things like this to me when I say, hey, what's your story? Well, I don't really have much of a testimony. Have you ever caught yourself saying that? And it's because we've heard these like crazy over-the-top stories, and maybe you feel like, well, mine's pretty simple. I grew up in church, and You know, I found out about Jesus and I came to a saving knowledge of him. And that may be your story. And you feel like it's not that much of a testimony. But here's what I want to let you in on this morning. You have an absolutely incredible testimony. Because regardless of who you are and where you were, uh, you might have been in the gutter of the world, you might have been in the worst of the worst situation, or you may be the best kid that's ever been raised up and you grew up in church and have known Jesus, quote unquote, your whole life. That might be your testimony. But I want to tell you, here is the long and short of your testimony. You, friend, because of your sinful rebellion towards a sovereign and holy God, We're heading toward an eternity in hell, separated from the God who created you to worship him and enjoy him forever. You were created to have a relationship with God, but because of your sin, you were heading toward an eternity in hell, forever separated from that God who created you. 
And before you got to the edge of that cliff and went over into an eternity in hell, Jesus, by His grace, came and saved you. That is your testimony, regardless of who you are, regardless of what the circumstances on this earth were. You were headed toward eternal destruction, but our God in his love, mercy, and grace snatched you out of the fire and saved you and gave you brand new life. So that's why if you tell me I don't have much of a testimony, I'm going to like lovingly be like, no, nah, you got to do. You have an incredible testimony. Friends, your story is this today. This is what I hope you get out of this message as a whole. So don't you like it when I give you the main point before we even get started? Here it is. The gospel of Jesus Christ makes your old life new for his glory. The gospel of Jesus Christ makes your old life new for his glory. And I pray that we'll understand this, believe this, and live in the overwhelming, insane reality that this truth shows us. So let's read the text today. We've got several verses. We're going to start in verse 11 and read through verse 24 of Galatians 1. Then we'll pray and ask the Lord to help us today. I've had many people inquire about my tie today. Uh, I will just tell you it is an Astros tie if you look closely. So uh, I know some of you maybe uh, aren't saved and don't cheer for the Astros. That's fine. Uh, our youth pastor, uh, it's fine. We just pray for him. Uh, <laughs> But I do have to tell you, it's pretty nice to be uh, in a region, in a place where, uh, you know, other people care about it. I was, I've been in the, you know, the desert land for years cheering for the Astros, and uh, everybody was trying to be nice, but they weren't nice, so it's fine. So it's good to be back around some friends, all right? So the word of the Lord says this, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Lord, we want to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise for everything you've done and everything you're doing. So Lord, I pray that today as we just let this truth saturate in our heart, the reality that your gospel can make the old life new for your glory, that we would catch that today in a way that makes us live differently, changed and impacted by your gospel in such a way that your story becomes our story. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. 
Well, last week we were introduced to the Judaizer problem. We'll just call it that. Uh, the reality that these Jewish false teachers had come in and began to add some things to the gospel. They said, this Jesus stuff is great. We're all about it. Uh, please continue to talk to us about Jesus. But uh, not only are you saved by grace through faith, but you also should sharpen the knife and get circumcised. And you could understand if you were a Greek non-Jewish person, especially if you're an adult who had not been circumcised yet, problems, right? Like nobody explained this to me. So these false teachers are rolling out not only circumcision, but other Jewish religious customs. And they're saying, hey, if you really want to know God, if you really want to have a deeper understanding of who he is and a real relationship with him, why don't you add this stuff to the gospel? And Paul last week began his defense of saying, no, 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 there is no other gospel. If you start adding things to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, it becomes a different gospel that is actually no gospel at all because it's not good news. If the gospel is anything other than Jesus Christ paid for all of your sins so that you might have new life, you and I are in a bad way. If it's Jesus Christ plus your good works, we're in trouble because let me just be honest with you. We're not good. None of our works are good. Even the best things we do fall short of the glory of God. So it's not the gospel plus your good works. It's not the gospel plus coming to church. It's not the gospel plus Jewish religious customs. It is none of that. Only Jesus saves. But that's not the only thing the Judaizers were doing. And part of their arguing and really uh, trying to really just basically discredit Paul, you can see in the text that Paul kind of comes out defending himself a little bit. Now, I love how he does it because he really could, again, do a chapter or two talking about, do you know who I am, right? But he doesn't do that because he is a humble leader that Christ has anointed and appointed. But we see from the very beginning of the letter that he is trying to say, I am not sent by people, I'm sent by God. Did you notice that in verse 1? Remember we talked about it in our first week? Paul, an apostle, not from men. I am a sent one. I have been sent to you. I have not been sent by man, but rather God has sent me. But these false teachers were suggesting that Paul really was not truly a Jew, that he was being sent by the other apostles. By, by James and by Peter that he had gotten with them and they had told him what he needed to do. And he's going among the Gentiles and trying to sow false teaching among them. So Paul is trying to, to really just defend that and say that's not what's happening. I haven't been instructed by anybody other than Jesus. I wasn't sent by the apostles. I am sent by Jesus. So really what he's declaring is a simple but powerful declaration. This is not man's gospel. It's not the gospel of Paul. It's not the gospel of the apostles. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I didn't make it up. You see this in verses 11 and 12. He says again, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But what? I received it. I received it. In verses 17 through 23, Paul goes into detail. I could feel your eyes glazing over as I read those verses to you. We're like, Paul, then he went here. Then he went here. Then he went here. And, then, and some of you are like, why are we reading this? What is this even here for? Here's why it's here. Paul is trying to show that when he got saved by Christ, being revealed that Jesus revealed himself and revealed the gospel to him, he didn't even interact with the apostles for several years. 
So he's saying, yes, this gospel matches up with the other guy's gospel. Why? Because the same guy revealed it to us. Who was that guy? Not just a guy, the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how this gospel came to be. So he's trying to show that he didn't get educated by the other gospel, the other apostles. He, he didn't go to some sort of gospel school to learn how to make a really good gospel sales pitch. No, Jesus himself came to Paul and revealed the gospel to him. Why am I making such a big deal out of this today? Well, as I apply this, let me first remind you of what I've said a couple weeks ago. You're not an apostle. All right, some of y'all just need to let that word settle into your spirit. <laughs> Listen, I've been a preacher long enough that I have people come to me and say, hey, the Lord told me this. And I'm like, do you have a chapter and verse for that? If not, I'd be a little careful speaking for God. Some of y'all don't like that, but there you go. Bring me, bring me a Bible verse and we'll talk about what God told you. So you're not an apostle. God did not give you the words to uh, speak that are not in his word. Paul is an apostle, but can I tell you something that I think that is true for you that was certainly true for Paul? Only the gospel of Jesus Christ saves. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ saves. Here's what I mean by that. Man's gospel will not save you. Rusty's gospel will not save you. A YouTube preacher's gospel cannot save. No ministry, no camp, no revival meeting, no church service. None of these things can save. Now listen, does the Lord use these as a means of his grace? Does God use these to get the gospel to you? Yes and amen. But if you are saved today, can I tell you why you're saved? It's not because Brother Steve or Brother Delbert or a, pre a preacher in the past. It's not because of youth camp five years ago. It's not because of a service that was preached here in the last few weeks. It's not because of that camp you went to as a kid. If you're saved today, here's why you're saved. Jesus came down and revealed himself to you. And certainly it could have been through all of these means that I was just talking about. Yes and amen. But if you're saved, it's because Jesus revealed himself to you. The old hymn says, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. That's your story. Paul certainly was blessed and impacted by his ministry and to him and the encouragement to him from these other apostles but his life changed the moment that Jesus came and got him on the Damascus Road. And I'll just tell you today, man, I've been praying all week that for some of you, this might be a Damascus Road moment. You might be on the way to your Sunday. You're just trying to run out the clock to the Astros game tonight or till you know, your football team starts playing later today. You might just be here warming a seat. But can I tell you that God is in the business, no matter what you're planning on today, of coming and getting his people. And just like the Lord met Paul on the Damascus Road, he may be planning to meet you here in the sanctuary at Central Baptist Church in Buna, Texas today. Oh, and if he comes, open your heart to him today. This beautiful thing happens when we're saved. When Jesus reveals himself to us, there's this little phrase that you almost miss in verse 13, but if you're an underliner in your Bible, I might encourage you to underline these two words. I think it's super important. Paul says, you have heard of my former life. My former life. Those two words, former life. I, I want to tell you something today, friends. This is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is the power to make your current life your former life. 
Did you know, friends, that real transformation is possible? However you came in here today, you don't have to leave the same way you showed up. Whatever you brought in, however you come in today, you don't have to stay the way you are now. Real transformation is possible because of the gospel. The old can be made new. Your current life can become your former life because of Jesus. Now, here's the reality. I know you guys are used to preachers saying things like that. Like some of we're, Southeast Tech, we're numb to it. You've had evangelistic preachers here preaching to you for years. Praise God for that. But you're kind of like, oh, yeah, amen. I wish my cousin, who's really wandering from the Lord, would be here to hear this. I got some of you. Some of you are like, how does he know? <laughs> right? They, they really, oh, man, sister so-and-so really needed that one. Right? Oh, friends. Can I tell you that you and I need the power of the transforming work of the gospel today? Every single one of us. And because we kind of get numb to it, and you maybe think like, man, listen, Rusty, I've heard the gospel proclaimed over and over and over again, but I don't think you know my life. I don't think you know where I've been. I don't think you know what I'm walking through. I don't think you know and have seen what I've encountered, Pastor. I want to just tell you, if you're thinking that today, Paul is perhaps the most unique and powerful case study that we have in all of Scripture when it comes to the power of the gospel to transform your life. And he really hits on two very, very different levels. Pretty unique story, doesn't he have? Verse 13, he says, listen, I was a persecutor. I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. So Paul wasn't just anti-church. Paul wasn't just like, yeah, I don't know about that whole thing. He wasn't ambivalent. No, he actively worked to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He murdered people. Remember, as they're killing Stephen, it says that they gave their coats to Paul and he held them and said, go get them, boys. And he was on his way to Damascus to lock up and murder more Christians. And he says, but the gospel made my former life a former life. Not only that, oddly enough, his desire to destroy the church came out of misplaced religious ideals. So not only was Paul on one hand a vicious murderer, but on the other hand, Paul was about as good a churchman as you could possibly have. He says that, man, like I was so zealous. You see that in verse 14. I was advancing beyond many of my own age. I was so zealous. In fact, if you read in Philippians 3, he does at some point just kind of roll it out. Like, you want to see the resume? You want to see the things I've done? Passionate about that. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Here's what that means, y'all. He had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Not talking like the memory verses from Sunday, the whole thing. That's for the record. Some of you are like, okay, I guess that's pretty. Genesis, wow, that's pretty impressive. It's a lot. Exodus, yeah. Leviticus, y'all. Man, some of y'all ain't even read Leviticus. <laughs> if I were preaching a series through Leviticus, half of y'all would have stayed home. Paul memorized it. Numbers. That's, that's even another level, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to read about weird laws and stuff, but there's a bunch of numbers. That he, remember, he, he was a Jew of Jews. He was as religious as you could possibly be in the eyes of his world, in the eyes of the culture around him. Yet here's what he's saying. 
I needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, so please hear this, friends. There's two levels of here that that you need to respond to the gospel. Some of you in here, you think, man, there's no way Jesus could love me the way that I am. There's no way God can save me from this sinful lifestyle that I'm in, this, this shame, this guilt that I have. There's no way. What Paul would say to you is like, yeah, I was murdering Christians and trying to destroy the church. You want to tell me about your awful life? But the gospel saved me. Some of you maybe are trusting in your empty religion. Say, well, well, pastor, I've been given. I come to church regularly. I I didn't even need the service Sunday form because I'm already doing so much. Paul says, I was as religious as it gets, and I needed the gospel of Jesus Christ to take my current life and make it a former life. Friends, we desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. It can transform your life today. And and you're in one of those two categories probably. Maybe you've been running and living like the world and you think, man, there's no way Jesus will save me. Or, Or maybe again, you're that classic good Southeast Texas kid who grew up and you think, man, uh, there's all these things that I've done. Like if Jesus and this gospel can make a difference in my life, like a real difference, I would know it by now because I've been in church my whole life. And what I want to tell you is wherever you're at, Paul wants to just rip a hole in our conspiracies. If you think you were bad, he was way worse and the gospel saved him. If you think you were good, he was way gooder. And the gospel saved him. The gospel has the power to make our old life new today. Paul describes this conversion in verses 15 and 16. Man, beautiful verses there in our text. But when he, talking about Jesus, who set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, was pleased to, check out this language, reveal his son to me. Why did I get saved? Well, it's because I heard this really moving message on the radio in that chariot on the way to Damascus. That Billy Graham sure can prove. No. Jesus revealed himself to me. And I was saved. And you know what that salvation means? All the way call back to verse 4. Jesus gave himself for our sins. Why? To deliver us from the present evil age. This gospel makes our old life new. First, by saving us from the evil age in which we live. So what I want to talk about for a few minutes here, and then we're going to be done. Y'all still with me? Everybody awake still? All right, hang in with me, all right? Because this is, this is where it gets good. Some of you are like, good, thank you, all right? We're going to get better at least, okay? Maybe not good, but better. I, I want to talk about being saved from and saved for. You've been saved from this present evil age, but I want to tell you that being saved from this present evil age doesn't just mean the evil world in which we live now. Being saved from means what we said earlier, from an eternity in hell separated by the God who created you to worship him and enjoy him forever. God created you to have a real dynamic relationship with him. Like you ought to be walking with God every single day and enjoying real relationship with a real living savior. If you're not doing that, can I just tell you all of this religious stuff is an absolute whooping. 
What are you doing just trying to be a good person and coming to church and being good people, doing good things? If you don't have a real relationship with a real living Savior, you are missing what the Christian life is all about. He saved you from an eternity in hell so that you could have a real relationship with Him. This is what the gospel really is in its essence. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never did anything outside of the will of his heavenly Father. Yet Jesus died on the cross, and as he died on the cross, he took the punishment that you and I and all of humanity deserve because of our sinful rebellion. All of your sins, past, present, and future, the wrath of God was poured out upon Christ, and like we said last week, Jesus paid it all. And he took sin and death to the grave. But the reason we have church today is because three days later, he came walking out of that grave, victorious over sin and death. And because of that, you and I can be saved from the present evil age, from the eternal evil age, separated from God. We can be saved and called to this glorious relationship with the real and living Savior. And when that happens, friends... Our old life is made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a verse that you'll hear me quote all the time because it's so absolutely incredible. And it says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. If you got saved, can I tell you what happened? You died. And Jesus brought back a brand new you. Your former life is gone. Your new life started the moment you got saved. Well, what does that new life look like? Well, friends, not only are you saved from an eternity in hell and saved from your sin, but you are saved for his glory. I love at the end of that, verse 24, it's such a simple verse, but it's so powerful, isn't it? After all this, then I went to Arabia, then I went to all these places, and you know, you're starting to you know, fade out. And then verse 24, and they glorified God because of me. When they heard that even that dude, God saved him. You mean that religious zealot guy who was always acting like he was better than everybody else? That person got saved by Jesus? Yeah. Praise God. Oh, wait. The dude who was murdering people? He got saved? Yeah. Praise God. But not only are you saved from your old life, saved from your sin, saved from the present evil age and from hell, you are saved for his glory. And how do you live for his glory, friends? You're saved to his mission. Saved from your old life so that you can walk in a new life. Can I tell you what that new life is about? His mission. His mission. You know, it's wild. We live in a world where everybody's looking for meaning in their lives. You know what I mean? Like you see this from little kids all the way up to the oldest people I know. You're looking for your life to count. You want to know at the end of your life that you made a difference. And that search for significance has taken us to some dark and weird and messed up places. You know, like Facebook. <laughs> Sorry, too close to home. Social media, 
all these things that we have where we're just trying to, to make our lives look good and make our lives count and make people see that, that there's value to our lives and that they matter, that they're important. So some of you maybe try to, to, try to be awesome at your job so that you can see that your life matters. Some of you guys and girls try to be awesome at sports because you want your life to matter. Or, or a musician, you want to be really good at the skills you have. Maybe even at your trade, you just want to be awesome. You want your life to count and you want to matter in this world. Here's what I want to tell you, friends. God has put that desire in you. And I just want to promise you, he hasn't done it so that you can be the best athlete that's ever athleted. I mean, that's kind of what culture says today, right? Like, hey, you know, do whatever you do for the glory of God. So I'm going to be Tim Tebow. Can I tell you, you might be, but bad news, guys and girls, you probably ain't going to be, right? Statistically speaking, it's probably not going to happen. Moms and dads, you know how many CEOs and presidents there are in the world? Not a bunch. Not a bunch. And we all spend our lives trying to gather accolades that at the end of the day, no one will care about. No one will care about. As a pastor, I, I do a lot of funeral services. And you know what's always amazing to me is, is when you can read lives, and, and you know, I, I haven't been doing this thing that long, but, but I've done funerals for people who owned multi-million dollar corporations that they built from the ground up. I've done funerals for missionaries who poured their life out for the sake of the gospel and had credible stories. I, I've done funerals for veterans who just were so decorated and had so many incredible things that they'd done for our country. I've done funerals for young people who were social media influencers, legitimately. And in all of those funerals, can I tell you, when you're reading through an obituary or you're doing the eulogy, you talk about that. Oh, man, they're the CEO of this company. You know what people kind of do in the seats? They kind of nod along. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. But do you want to know when people start leaning in and really listening? It's when you talk about how they met their spouse. Or, or when you talk about the way they related at their home with their kids. Or when you talk about their friends. And even when you talk about their church family. Guys, listen to me. Haven't we been tricked by the world into trying to live a life of significance by living for the things that at the end of your life nobody's going to care about? To the neglect of the things that matter the most? Do you want to live a life that counts, friends? I, I want to invite you to do that. Here's how you do it. Stop trying to make your story about you. And instead, let your story be his story. Because no matter how epic your story is, can I tell you, you could live the most amazing, incredible life ever, the applause for your life. And I mean, they may give you a standing O one day, but can I tell you that one day the applause is going to fade? Do you know that there's a generation of kids who don't even know who the Beatles are? Now, some of y'all are old enough in here that you, there was a time where you thought there will never be a day when that's a reality. The pastor I worked for when I was in college, I, I remember we were driving a bunch of kids on a van somewhere, and he said, what's your favorite Beatles song? And when a kid said, who, who are the Beatles or what's the Beatles, I thought he was going to drive that church van off the highway in Dallas, Texas. He couldn't believe it. No matter how big, how famous, how epic your life is, 
The applause will fade. But do you know what the invitation of Christ is? Live for a bigger story. They may not know your name. They might not know your life. But can I tell you, you are living for the story that the applause will go on forever and ever and ever and ever for all eternity because it's the only story that's ever mattered. So let me just ask you two questions, then I'm done. First, is this your story? Is this your story? Have you ever had a time where you said, you know what, I'm done living my story. I'm done living for me. I'm done doing my life, and instead I have died, and my life is now living for Christ. Have you been saved is what I'm asking you today. Now listen, I didn't ask if you were religious. Remember, Paul was religious and he needed saving. Have you had a moment where your old life became your former life and you were given new life by Christ? If not, friends, do not leave this place without making Jesus your Lord and Savior. Bryce and I will be here. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to surrender your life to Christ. But here's what I want to ask, because I know, again, a lot of you are like, yeah, thank you for this evangelistic message, Pastor, but I already know Jesus let me just ask you this second question. Are you living this story? Is your life really all about Jesus and his mission? Have you laid down your story and are you living for him? Are you living for, is everything in your life about Jesus and his gospel? Friends, if not, let today be a day of rededication for you. Where you say, Lord, everything I am, everything my family is, all of me, Lord, I want to live for you and for your glory. Because friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ makes your old life new for his glory. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you even in a passage like this where it almost seems just historical and geographical that we can just stop and look at your word and see the gospel shining through. God, I pray for my friends in this room right now. Lord, I ask that you would help us by your grace to be a people of former lives. Lord, that if, we, uh, if there are people in here who don't know you today, God, I pray that by your grace, you would reveal yourself to them and that they would be saved. But Lord, I do pray for my saved friends in this room who already know you, but if they're honest today, that they've started living their story again. Lord, would you convict us where we need to be convicted and call us back to, to living for you? Lord, thank you Thank you for loving us. Oh, Lord, no matter who we are, no matter where we've gone, because of your grace, we can have a real dynamic relationship with you. So help us to have that and to walk in that and be changed by it. Thank you for listening to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. May God bless you as you continue to connect, grow, and serve.